Welcome to the GMAT Strategy Podcast. You're here because you believe there's a better way to study for the GMAT, and so do we. We created the GMAT Strategy to maximize your results and minimize your efforts so you can get to the fun parts about business school and life as quickly as possible. My name is Isaac Puglia, and I've been teaching GMAT classes and tutoring privately for the GMAT for almost a decade, and I've achieved a 99th percentile score on the GMAT and helped thousands of students get into the business school's of their choice. I'm excited to be a part of your MBA journey since we all at TGS think our world can benefit from the best possible business leaders that we can find. If this show is bringing you value, please share it with your friends and family who are studying so that together we can make this process as easy and as painless as it can possibly be. Let's go. Today, let's talk about the brand new GMAT Focus Edition. Now, the GMAT Focus Edition has been announced for quite some time. We've already got some data on what kind of performances are going well for folks, what kind of things are not going well for folks. And we wanted to hold off on publishing this to not just take advantage of the mass hysteria around the new version of the exam and the speculation, frankly, that's occurred about the test before it was released. Now, there's nothing wrong with speculating about it. I think it's great that the conversation started early. We've been keeping a very close eye on the whole situation and keeping our finger on the pulse of everything, doing a lot of research, uh, both in terms of talking to people who've taken the exam, who are preparing for the exam, and doing tons of GMAT-focused practice tests and questions ourselves. But we wanted to hold off on bringing this episode to you because we really wanted this guide to be definitive. This is what we know to be true about GMAT Focus. I'm only going to describe to you things that have worked for other people in this episode so that we can start to get away from the speculative nature of the conversation about the exam that I think has really dominated the internet for the last several months since the exam was announced. It's finally out. We know what we need to know. So let me share that with you. First things first, as of the airing of this episode, GMAT Classic, which is what we're calling the old version of the GMAT that's going away, is still available for another month. So talking about the mass hysteria and confusion, both exams have been available for a while now. And a lot of people are asking, is there any reason to take the old version of the GMAT while I still have the opportunity to do so? So if you're listening to this after January 2024, then the decision has already been made for you. GMAT Focus Edition is, by and large the de facto GMAT now, and that just is the GMAT, unless something crazy has happened and there's a whole nother version of the GMAT now. But in that case, we've got another episode for you and or we've updated this episode for you. But as of now, you could still take the old version of the GMAT. So is there any reason to do that? There's really two situations where you might want to take GMAT Classic. The first is you're phenomenal at sentence correction. If you don't know what sentence correction is, don't worry about it. If you know what sentence correction is and you're fantastic at it, then that is potentially one reason to take GMAT Classic because sentence correction has been removed from the brand new GMAT Focus Edition. We'll talk a little bit about why that is in a moment. Uh, But for now, just to answer the question, should anyone take GMAT Classic, that's one reason to do so because if you're great at sentence correction, you don't have to invest very much study time in it and it could potentially lift your overall verbal score, which could potentially lift your total score, which could increase your odds of getting into the business school that you personally want to go to. So that's reason number one that you might want to take the old version. The other reason you might want to take the old version is if you're not performing well in the integrated reasoning section. And that means you've actually invested time in it, you've worked on it, and you're really not seeing the results that you want to see with IR. 
Integrated reasoning on the old GMAT is a separate score. It does not affect your 200 to 800 score. But on GMAT Focus Edition, integrated reason has been bundled into a new section called Data Insights, which we'll talk about in a second, that does count for your overall score. So integrated reasoning has grown in importance the way we all believed that it would. If you're struggling with IR and you still plan to take GMAT Classic, then please go listen to our old integrated reasoning episode. Over the coming weeks, as we roll out a bunch of GMAT-focused content during this transition. We'll be talking about the new data insights section. I'll have a whole episode specifically related to that. In the meantime, if you're struggling with data insights, specifically the integrated reasoning questions, then check out our old podcast episode on IR. Same thing with data sufficiency. If you're struggling with data sufficiency questions, then check out our data sufficiency episode and I'll walk you through everything you need to know and more. So those are the two situations where you might take classic great at sentence correction and or bad at integrated reasoning. If you're not in one of those boats, just study for the new exam. You're going to have a lot more flexibility. The exam is much shorter. It's generally much more user friendly. There's a lot of nice new features that are being rolled out with it. And ultimately, although it's scary and it's been a difficult transition for a lot of people, it is a good thing for the business leadership community. It's a great thing for the GMAT community. And I personally am very happy that they have come out with a new version of the GMAT. And I'll talk to you about why I think that is for now. But let's stay on this topic of differences. What is different about the GMAT Focus Edition if you're one of the people who's making the transition? Well, GMAC, the people who write these exams, have consistently said that there's no geometry on the new exam. But honestly... That's not true. There's still some geometry content. There are many geometry-ish questions, which for now just means continue to study geometry. You should still know geometry. There's no essay on the new exam, so that's a nice thing that you don't have to worry about anymore. And there's no sentence correction. But anyone who's telling you there's no geometry... I just haven't found that to be accurate. My students who are prepping for the focus edition have benefited greatly from studying at least a little bit of geometry, just brushing off the cobwebs, doing some memorization. And we'll talk all about what you need to know about geometry in a, a future episode for now when it comes to GMAT focus. The extent to which geometry will continue to be tested is a little bit unclear, but it's really helpful if you remember what a sphere is, what a cube is, what the coordinate plane is, all the stuff that you might not have thought about in a really long time if you're a working professional, which most of us are when we sit down to study for this exam. So anyone who tells you don't worry about geometry, just run the other direction and study a little bit of geometry and or go through an entire curriculum of geometry. Anyway, I think you'll be really, really happy that you did. Okay, outside of that... We're all in on GMAT Focus. So why the GMAT Focus Edition? Why come out with a new version of the GMAT? Well, the main thing is actually really nice. GMAC has been listening to a ton of customer feedback over the last couple decades. There's new leadership in place at GMAC, and they're working really hard to eliminate bias. And I think most of us would agree that those are good things. Like the test should be as fair as possible. It should be as connected to the end consumer as possible, and it should be serving people who want to become better leaders and grow in their career. This is sort of the point of the whole industry and the whole situation. Uh, it's definitely an admirable initiative. I'm sure it's been a ton of work. So everyone who's invested in GMAT Focus from GMAC, thank you for all the energy and the blood, sweat, and tears that I'm sure has gone into this. And let's be real, everybody. This is a difficult position for them to be in. It's kind of a difficult product to launch and a difficult product to get feedback from your customers because a lot of customers would probably just say, hey, can we get rid of this exam? Is there any way I don't have to take it anymore? <laughs> can I get around studying for it? 
Uh, so it's it's a little strange, and uh, it's not the kind of typical product that most businesses would be bringing to market and getting consumer feedback on. So I think they've done a good job. Is there such a thing as a perfect standardized test? Probably not. Um, I think we're all just trying to get as close to perfection and the alignment of everybody's incentives between students, business schools, companies that hire from business schools. There's a lot of stakeholders in the situation. So ultimately, GMAC is working hard to try to help the business leadership community. And I think we should celebrate that. And there's a lot of valuable, positive changes to the GMAT that we'll get into right now. So what do you need to know about the GMAT Focus Edition? Whether you're pivoting, whether you're starting from scratch, no matter where you are in the situation, there's three sections and three sections only on GMAT Focus, which is a good thing because there used to be four sections and there were five different scores and it was pretty confusing. So let's break it down. There is a quantitative section, which is only problem-solving questions. So if you've been studying for the GMAT for a while or you're familiar with GMAT Classic, there used to be two types of questions in the quant section, one called problem-solving, one called data sufficiency. Problem-solving, if you're not familiar with it, is a very familiar question type. It's just a standard five-option, multiple-choice question, and most of you will have dealt with problem-solving style questions if you've ever taken a standardized test or gotten an undergraduate degree. In the quant section on GMAT Focus, there are 21 problem-solving questions. And if you have regulation time, you'll have 45 minutes to answer those questions. More on that in a moment. If you want a super simple, like no setup required timing or pacing strategy for the new quant section, just think seven questions every 15 minutes. Super simple, doesn't require a lot of deep analysis, and it'll help you pace the section well, which is extremely important. Again, more on that later. Now, we also have a verbal section that is 23 questions in 45 minutes. So what's in the verbal section? Like I said, there used to be sentence correction. And then there were two other question types, reading comprehension and critical reasoning. Now, there's no sentence correction. There's just reading comprehension and critical reasoning. If you're brand new to GMAT Focus and to the GMAT, reading comprehension is going to be pretty familiar. If you've taken standardized tests in the past, you'll be asked to comprehend a reading passage and then answer some questions about that passage. If you want some strategic advice and a ton of stuff that I uh, probably should not have given away for free, but I did and it's out there now, it, there's a lot of really valuable reading comp strategy in the reading comp episode from a few years back. And same thing with the critical reasoning episode from a few years back. If you're not sure what critical reasoning is, uh, by all means, go back and listen to that episode where I go uh, super, super deep and super long on critical reasoning. And there's no changes in those two question types between GMAT Classic and GMAT Focus. Just the section style and the number of questions is different. There used to be quite a few more questions in the quant and verbal section. Now there's about two-thirds the number of questions in both sections, so the exam is significantly shortened. Old GMAT used to be about four hours. New GMAT is like two hours and a little bit more. With the break, it's like two and a half-ish. And so that's really nice. If, if you struggle with learning differences or you struggle with sitting still for a long time or you just struggle with anxiety or focusing for long periods on standardized tests, then the shorter version of the exam is fantastic. And they've done some great research on how to alleviate the anxiety associated with the test. Can we delete it completely? Probably not. There's a lot uh, riding on this thing, but it is better. It's an improvement. It's a step in the right direction. And I think it's a fantastic iteration. So if you want a super simple, bare bones, quick start pacing strategy for verbal, just think eight questions every 15 minutes. Yeah, the math isn't going to work out perfectly. You'll have a little bit of a surplus at the end, but that's totally fine. Now, there is a 
somewhat new section. It's kind of funny to talk about how GMAT Focus is new because it's basically the same stuff, just less of it. If you want like the super short blurb on what is GMAT Focus, it's the same stuff, just less of it. But there's a, a new section called Data Insights, which combines integrated reasoning, which I was talking about before, and data sufficiency, which used to be in the quantitative section. Now that's all mixed together with integrated reasoning questions in what's called the Data Insights section. There's going to be 20 questions in 45 minutes. In the verbal section, it's about 50-50 reading comp and critical reasoning, give or take. There is some variance because there is some randomness in the way the algorithm selects questions. And if you're not sure how the GMAT scoring algorithm works, please go to our website and watch our free video. It doesn't translate super well to talk about the algorithm via podcast. It just it, There needs to be some visuals in my experience for people to really like get what we're trying to talk about. And it's really important. Uh, so go ahead and check that out if you're not sure how the scoring algorithm works. In the meantime, let's proceed. In the data insights section, there's going to be slightly more integrated reasoning questions, slightly fewer data sufficiency questions. So, so far, the way I've seen it is around 12 IR questions, around eight data sufficiency, but there is a little bit of slippage either way. So it could be 50-50. By and large, though, you should expect to see a little bit more integrated reasoning. So that's 20 questions in 45 minutes. Integrated reasoning questions tend to be a little bit more time intensive than the other question types, and that's why there's a little bit more of a time buffer there. So that's the basic breakdown of GMAT Focus. It's just those three sections, and you'll receive four scores. You'll receive an individual quant score, an individual verbal score, and an individual data insights score. And those will be combined with a proprietary algorithm to create your total score. Now, to differentiate between old GMAT scores, which end in a zero, GMAT Focus scores all end in a five. So if you see a 205 or an 805 or a 735 on GMAT Focus, that's how you know it's a Focus Edition score. It ends in a 5. If you see a 700 or a 750 or a 200, that's how you know it's a GMAT Classic score. Why did they do that? Well, GMAT scores are valid for five years. So some people who took GMAT Classic two years ago might be applying to business school a year from now. And it's really important for the admissions officers to be able to differentiate which test is which, because part of the reason to roll out the new GMAT is a more refined scoring scale. So people have tended to score higher and higher on the GMAT over the past couple decades, which is a good thing. The prep industry has matured, and I think that's helped folks a lot. Uh, there's a lot more resources out there for folks like yourself who are preparing and we'd like to think we've been at least a contributing factor in the overall scores going up. And so GMAC has created more room in the scoring scale to have more differentiation between higher scores. So for example, if you got a 700 on the old GMAT, that would really include like four different levels of performance. Whereas 20 years ago, it was like one level of performance only could create a 700. But now there's so many nuances in the algorithm between number of questions you get right, difficulty level of those questions, where in the section you got those questions right and wrong, that contributes to these score subtleties that a new score scale really just had to be made. Otherwise, this test was becoming a little bit unfair. Um, so some people who maybe should have gotten 720s were getting 700s. Some people who should have gotten 760s were getting 740s. And you can imagine that's that's frustrating as a student because that might be the difference between getting a merit-based scholarship and not, or getting into your dream school or not. And there's a lot riding on this, like your, your future of your family, future of your career, future of what kind of presence you can get for people that you care about on special occasions. You know, these are things that matter. 
in life. Um, and that's, that's not even paying attention to the massive impact that business leadership in general has on culture and society and the world at large. And we won't go down that particular rabbit hole because we talk about it at the beginning of every episode. And if you're here, you already understand the importance of business leadership. So uh, back to business here. So the refined score scale is going to help business schools differentiate between different levels of scoring, and it helps students differentiate between different levels of scoring. So you just get a more accurate score, which makes the test more fair, which at the end of the day is what we hope this whole process will be is as fair as possible. The people who deserve to get in, hopefully get in. The people who do not deserve to get in, I know this is like super debatable, super loaded terms I'm using here. Uh, those people don't get in or they just get into different schools and everybody winds up in the place that's best for them. Let's talk. Let's think about it that way. Everybody gets the right alignment, the right fit. So that's why there might be a little bit of confusion in the scoring scale. The nuts and bolts of difference between GMAT Focus and GMAT Classic is GMAT Focus scores are trending about 50 points lower than GMAT Classic scores. That's a good little simple rule of thumb that I've come to use. It's not perfectly accurate but it'll help you translate between the two exams. So the old benchmark of massive excellence on the old test was a 700 number. And there's a lot of lore and a lot of literature written about breaking the 700 barrier. And for good reason, it, it's a phenomenal GMAT score. It really helps getting into these really elite, really selective business schools. That number has basically been replaced and will be replaced by the new 655. We're still aligning the score trajectory perfectly and the score scale, but 645 to 665 is roughly indicative of the classic 700 elite score. And so I'm just shorthanding that as 655. And that has been like the source of some controversy, but really it shouldn't everybody. Let's just put this to rest, all the speculation. I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. The people who are doing the admissions deciding are professional admissions consultants. Are they human beings? Might they have some bias? Yes, human beings as of today have bias. It, it's part of the human mind. But they're trained professionals. They've got the score concordance. They've got an insane amount of training on the difference between the new exams. Let's all trust them to make the adjustment. I don't think there's any merit at all that people are going to look down on a 655 GMAT focus score because of the weight that the old 700 held. Might I be wrong about that? Maybe, but I just have seen zero evidence. I've talked to zero admissions consultants who are like, oh yeah, 655, that totally sucks on GMAT focus. Like that just, I don't see how that mindset could possibly serve you unless it's going to motivate you to work harder and work more intelligently and be more strategic with your prep. If it does, and it's like a positive pressure, by all means, use it. Otherwise, just don't worry about it. Harvard Business School knows what a great GMAT score is, and they know what they're looking for in a strong candidate. Okay, so let's just put that to rest. It's I've had so many people ask me about that, and it's creating so much stress. And that's not our job as providers. Our job as providers is not to stress people out. It's to help people. Okay, I'm moving on. Um, I already talked about listening to the integrated reasoning and data sufficiency episodes. If you need help with that. I'll go super deep on scoring and individual scores in future episodes. Let's keep this one focused on the big picture and what you need to know. At the end of the day, what is the big deal with GMAT focus? Not much. It's still the GMAT. It's basically the same scoring algorithm. It works exactly the same. I went to an hours-long training. I was invited by GMAC where... The head statistician who designed the new algorithm gave a talk. Thank you, GMAC, and everybody who included 
myself and TGS in that process. It was very helpful, very informative, uh, very kind of you to reach out to the community. It was a bunch of prep providers there who are going to disseminate this information publicly. And it's really an awesome thing. I think it was a very intelligent move that they made. Um, the scoring algorithm has been adjusted. And some of the old school lore and frankly, disinformation <laughs> that exists about the scoring algorithm out there on the internet has just been toned down. So the algorithm used to make these pretty big leaps in difficulty near the beginning of the section, which led to this uh, sort of myth that the early questions were quote unquote worth more to your score. And there, there's a lot of GMAT prep that's been sold on the back of that story. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's keep it real. And um, that strategy can work. If I'm being real with you, I have seen people use it to good effect. It's not what I recommend because technically that's not the way the exam is designed to work. And that's why I made the video on the website. I don't want to like beat you over the head with this. And I, I apologize if I am, but I just care. And that knowledge of the way the algorithm work was missing for me when I was studying back in the day. And it probably cost me about six months of my life that I'm just never getting back. So um, I think it's really important that you go watch that. Uh, I'm not going to pitch you on anything. It's not that kind of thing, everybody. If if you want to work with us more directly, that's fine. We never pitch you on anything unless you ask first, hey, can we work with you? Can you help us out? Um, and even then, we we don't take everyone because not everybody is, is a good fit for our program. And we're really committed to getting all of you set up with the right stuff, which is why so much of our stuff is free. And we're giving away so many secrets here. Okay. But um, don't worry about that webinar. It's not like the classic, like, hey, let me let me just sell you something kind of webinar thing. It's not that. It's like real hardcore advice and information and stuff that can really help you avoid a lot of the pitfalls that are super common. I've been doing this for a really long time now, and I, I know what holds people back. Great people, great business leaders, people who are generally good at taking tests. All of a sudden, this test is just a different game, and I've put that together for you. I put a lot of time, blood, sweat, and tears into it for you. Uh, so check it out. Check it out. It doesn't have to be now. It's 40 minutes. I try to make it as short as possible while still getting the point across. And it'll totally change the way you look at the exam. It'll really, really help you out. Okay. If you have any feedback on it, if you didn't love it, just shoot us a DM and we will we will listen and we will take the feedback. Okay. We're really committed to making everything we do great for you. All right. So it's the same GMAT. So yes, the algorithm has been toned down a little bit, but it still works exactly the same way. It still has the exact same initiative pretty much any strategy that was truly effective, not just some garbage strategy, but a truly effective algorithm management strategy that worked on GMAT Classic will still work on GMAT Focus. It is, for all intents and purposes, the same experience as a student. I've taken many tests at this point. I've guided many people successfully through the GMAT Focus score moving process and score improvement process. And everything that used to work still works now. Um, the biggest difference, the big deal, it's shorter. And you know what? That's really, really nice. It is noticeably shorter as I've taken GMAT focus exams. It is much less stressful. The psychological stress around approaching the exam and making time for practice exams is much easier. It's a much simpler process in terms of registering, sending your scores. You get a very detailed readout of your performance after the test included with your exam fee, which you used to have to pay extra for. It used to be a $30 fee to get the data from your exam. Um, there's way less emphasis on stamina, which I think is interesting. Maybe that's debatable whether that's good or bad, but for students who just want to go to a great B school, I think it's fantastic. And it's, I think, just a much better situation 
especially for people with learning differences who really suffered under the extended time accommodations of the old exam where, yeah, 50% extended time was a big advantage in some regards, but it also was like a five-hour test now. And if you had 100% extended time, it was comically long. And it just really wore people down and it was tough. It was tough. People did it. I walked many, many people through the process, but I do think GMAT focus is just better. I think it's just a more accurate depiction of people's abilities to process data and perform well in an academic setting. And that's what we're going for. Um, so GMAC, I think, has basically accomplished its goal with uh, with the new exam. Um, one side note, because there's no more sentence correction, you're definitely going to want to focus on your writing skills when it comes to the application process. Uh, I'll have future episodes on applications. We've been helping people with applications for many years at TGS. It's not something that we put out in the front of this stuff because we want to keep it focused on GMAT. But if you do have questions, we'll do our best to answer them if you reach out to us. Um, people who have great writing skills, either naturally or because they studied writing a lot, have always generally had an advantage coming into sentence correction and grammar anyway. Um, but without the pressure to improve your English grammar and your clarity of writing and your concision, which really helped a lot of my past students become better writers, better speakers, uh, better communicators in general, which is a really important leadership skill. If any of you have worked for people who are poor communicators or worked with people who are poor communicators, it's not that you can't get wins. It's just everything becomes more harder. It's like uh, it, it, everything becomes more difficult. Uh, good thing sentence correction is gone because more harder is is would be wrong on the GMAT. Uh, <laughs> um so if, if you haven't had strong writing skills, then you're going to want to just integrate that a little bit on the side or just give yourself a little bit of extra time for the application and essay writing process because it's really important. And as of 2024, when I'm recording this for you, late 2023, uh, artificial intelligence technology, in my opinion, is just not there yet to get you like that really killer business school essay. Uh, soon enough, maybe it will be, but for now... I think you still want to think about what is great writing, what is good writing. And because you won't be working as much on sentence correction, I would recommend maybe setting aside 10 hours or a week or so to just work on some basics of high quality writing in the 21st century because people's attention spans have shifted a lot. What used to be considered really great writing isn't always considered great now uh, because of readability issues. Um, so if you're looking for a great resource, there's a good book called On Writing Well. And I think that's fantastic if you need a little bit of help with that. But sentence correction and writing is no longer tested on the GMAT. So you don't have to worry about that as far as the exam itself goes. Um, if you're interested in how AI is evolving in the education field, specifically corporate training and adult education, then go ahead and add me on LinkedIn and buckle up because I'm going to be pushing out a bunch of hardcore information on that topic in the coming years, I've done about a decade of research into the field, and I'm going to continue to do my best to remain at the front of these rapidly developing innovations. If you're not interested in that, don't worry about it. So let's talk about study strategy for GMAT Focus Edition now that you understand this big shift that all of us are going through right now. It's not super different, your study for GMAT Focus. We are going to be updating this for 2024, so definitely subscribe and stay tuned for an updated how to start your GMAT studies episode and updated how long will it take me GMAT 
to study for the GMAT episode. And we're going to be doing a big push to just make this as easy and painless for all of you as it could possibly be, given that things are getting a little crazy on the internet with GMAT focus. And I think there's a lot of noise out there. When you come into the market as a student, I think it can be quite confusing. It's difficult to know who to trust, who to listen to. There's a million different products and offers. It's difficult to know which one's right for you. Uh, so we're doing our best to cut through that here. And if you have any feedback on the show or you have personal questions about your situation, just reach out to us anytime and we'll do our absolute best to support, like I always say. Number one, GMAT focus, how it's a little bit different than GMAT classic and what you want to keep in mind as you're preparing for this. Number one, timing is tight. Yes, there are fewer questions and actually mathematically, there's a little more time per question, like in the quant section. It used to be exactly two minutes per question, 31 questions in 62 minutes. Now it's slightly more, 21 questions in 45 minutes. But timing is still tight. And this is going to feed into a, another thing that I'm going to talk about in a section, which second, which is every question is worth a little bit more because there's now fewer opportunities to get and lose points. So just everything's been compressed. Um, Sticking with the timing tight thing, this is especially prevalent on data insights. This is what I've noticed for the vast majority of people. Some people are going to be super fast at the DI section because you work in a quantitative heavy field and you're looking at graphs and tables and that kind of stuff that integrated reasoning questions test you on on a regular basis for your day-to-day -day job. So if, you, if that's not you and you're not already crushing DI and not having time issues in DI based on your baseline practice exams or your recent practice exams, you're going to want to do a lot of integrated reasoning practice. You're definitely going to want to touch on data sufficiency. You're going to want to hit that hard, especially if it's a pain point for you. But the main time sinks I've seen for people is integrated reasoning. There's a free resource on MBA.com that's very worth getting into to get some integrated reasoning practice for free. And you can just web search mba.com integrated reasoning. And it's like an about page where they talk you through each of the four integrated reasoning question types. And then underneath each little blurb about the question type are four to six sample questions that you can go through. For a lot of you, that's going to be enough for you to be prepared and, and fast enough at integrated reasoning. If that's not enough for you, then there is a paid product on mba.com called the official IR practice that might be getting sunsetted soon. And so it's probably going to be called the official data insights practice or official data insights practice questions, pretty much the same thing. Just get whichever version of it is current at the time that you're listening to this if you want to improve your DI performance and timing is an issue for you. Um, it's actually quite unusual that just doing tons and tons and tons of practice questions is a super efficient score mover for people on the GMAT, despite what you might've been told or what you might read. Uh, doing lots of practice questions seems reasonable. It seems logical. It sells a lot of GMAT prep courses for sure. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's, in my experience, has not been the most efficient way to move people's scores in general. But with integrated reasoning, volume can really help. I've noticed that people who do just a ton of IR practice get better, they get faster. So that's one place where just the more is more approach can really help you out. So if timing's tied on DI, that's what I recommend. Second point in terms of developing a good study strategy is remembering what I said a moment ago, every question is now worth more than it used to be. So what does that mean? Every recommendation that I've ever made about scratch work is 10 times more important than it used to be because missing a question that you know how to do hurts you a lot more now because there's just fewer chances for you to make a good impression on the test and the algorithm, 21 chances instead of 31 chances. If I have 31 chances, I have a little bit more margin for error. 
I can drop a question here or there and it's not going to affect me as much. Now it's just going to affect you more. So all that means is you just want to change your preparation process to have a lot of emphasis on getting the questions that you know how to do right. Don't fall into the typical trap of speeding through questions you know how to do so that you have more time to answer questions that are harder that you are less likely to get right. That's not really the behavior that the GMAT scoring algorithm rewards, even though that's a reasonable strategy on typical standardized tests that are based purely on accuracy. The GMAT is not based purely on accuracy. It's also taking into account the difficulty levels of questions. Again, hit the video on the website if you're like, what does that even mean? I don't understand that at all. Okay, so this has always been the toughest battle for people in the quant section is not missing questions that that you know how to do. If you've seen score drops on official tests, score drops on your practice tests, nine times out of 10, it's from missing questions you know how to do. And then the rest of the time, it's it's timing issues typically, which is why I'm leading off with those things. So just trying to get you ahead of the game and, and save you some pain. Um, it's now much harder to recover in the algorithm because there's just a less section. You have less runway. It's, it's like running a startup with a really tight budget. If you make good investments, you can scale to the moon. If you make some bad investments, even just one or two bad investments might mean you run out of cash and you got to shut the business down. So you can definitely afford to drop one question in the quant section because of an unforced error or because of a scratch work issue where you do five plus five equals 11 or you misread the question. Like we're all human. It's very, very difficult to be perfect 100% of the time. So if you're missing one question per section on your practice test, probably okay. If you're missing more than one, you're going to want to invest a lot of energy in developing new habits to help you stop from missing those questions. If you want some help structuring that, then go back to our episode. I think it's episode three called How to Organize Your Study Time. I give some really powerful, really simple advice that you can put into practice today that will really help accelerate your growth, avoiding missing questions you know how to do, okay? And the way the algorithm works, if you miss questions you know how to do, they're not gonna show you the harder questions, which is gonna cut you off from a certain high level of scoring, which obviously we don't want, okay? So get the stuff that you know how to do right. Um, the data sufficiency, we'll do a new episode for because some of the stuff is related to GMAT Classic, but... Data sufficiency, because DI, the time does get squeezed by integrated reasoning questions. I have seen people struggle with data sufficiency, not because they're bad at data sufficiency, just because they're really time pressured in the section. So make sure your data sufficiency technique is on point because data sufficiency is the easiest type of question to miss because of bad scratch work or rushing, reading through questions and just not having a structured approach. It's really easy to miss data sufficiency questions that you otherwise would get right based on your prior knowledge, okay? So that's one and two as far as developing a good strategy for GMAT focus. Third, word problems. In particular, percentages have become a lot more important on GMAT focus. Word problems were always the most common category in the quantitative section. But because of the shrinkage of the overall section, word problems are now, in my opinion, even more represented than they were before. They're even more important. I've seen a ton of percent word problems. That might just be the practice exams, but I have been having students report back from their official focus tests that they are seeing a lot of word problems. Um, it's not something that you need to be neurotic about with the whole percentages thing. Uh, with word problems, though, just do a little bit more volume, put a little bit more emphasis on that. If you're taking a course or working through some books, spend a little bit of extra time and care on your word problems approach and make sure that you feel really good about it, or at least as good as you possibly can. Word problems are historically a big pain point for students. They were a huge pain point for me when I was studying back in the day. I sucked at word problems. It took me so long to become even competent, let alone good. And I just kept swinging the hammer on them and uh, got the job done. 
So you can do the same thing. Uh, the last thing I've noticed is algebra is a little more important than it used to be. Just pure algebraic manipulation of things like exponents, equations. It's not that these are the only things. Like You still need to know everything to get a really great score, a really elite score. If you don't care about getting a good score, then you can, you can get by cutting a ton of corners. But you really what I'm trying to say here, everybody, with the last three points I've made is don't be cutting corners in your prep. Every corner that you cut in your prep process is something that is going to be a big risk factor on test day. Yeah, you might get lucky. But do we, we re, do we really want to be relying on luck when it comes to something that's this important? Uh, it's just something to think about, okay? So again, the word problem is kind of an outsized importance. I, I felt that that was really important. And if our roles were reversed right now and I, I was learning about this thing and you were the expert, then I would want to know that. Um, if you're not so good with translations, like algebraic translations, turning word problems into math, then I would strongly recommend going back to our podcast episode titled Plugging in Numbers. It's a really valuable strategy that can help you if you struggle with algebraic translations. Um, big lever that you can pull to help make your prep process easier, help boost your confidence, and get tons of word problems right. Otherwise, the topic frequency is basically unchanged. Besides sentence correction, sentence correction has gone to zero. But otherwise, I'm seeing the same number of inference questions on reading comprehension, the same number of primary purpose questions on reading comprehension, similar number of strength and weaken questions and critical reasoning. Just everything's scaled down by about two-thirds. And so that's causing some things that were already a little overrepresented to become more important. And then it's causing some things that used to be less important to become maybe even a little bit less important. And if you're not sure what the basic topic frequency is, I don't want to go super long on this because it's kind of a, a deep issue, uh, but things like probability and counting, you used to see maybe one to two of those, one, one to four at most on any given GMAT. So it was like 10% or less of the section typically. Um, now I've had people go in and take focus and, and really not see any probability or counting questions or maybe just one or two. Uh, whereas with the word problems thing, they're seeing like three to 10. You know, so just take take that and put it in your back pocket in case that is useful. If you're looking for a super elite score, then you should know how to do everything to the best of your abilities, and you shouldn't be thinking about what to spend more or less time in. But if you're on a tight timeline, then you're going to want to invest a little bit more in word problems and a little bit less in probability because it's just going to have an outsized impact on your score. So hopefully that makes sense. Fourth tip in terms of developing an awesome, super powerful study strategy for GMAT focus a big question, can I still use GMAT classic materials? This is great news. Yes, absolutely you can. There's no new question types. Some things have been eliminated, but nothing has been added. There's problem solving is still the same. Critical reasoning is still the same. Reading comprehension is still the same. Data sufficiency, same. Integrated reasoning, same. Nothing has been added. So all the GMAT classic IR resources, all the GMAT classic data sufficiency resources, all of that stuff, past official guides from the last 15 years, basically, all of those resources are fair game. Use them, absolutely use them, including and especially GMAT Club. If, if you haven't been introduced to GMAT Club, it's a very popular forum. Uh, just be careful. There's a lot of noise on GMAT Club. Um, and you, you want to find the people who are who are true experts uh, and, and take their advice a little more heavily weighted than uh, just, just the, the random uh, questions that get dropped there. There, there is a lot of of noise on GMAT Club, so just be careful out there. But by and large, GMAT Club is an amazing resource. There's a lot of great tools on there for you, and most of it is free. And you can get a lot of great practice in using all these GMAT Classic materials, and that can really help your GMAT focus performance. And I specifically bring that up now 
late 2023, early 2024, because GMAC has done a good job rolling out a pretty good number of GMAT-focused specific prep materials, but it's not nearly as robust as the GMAT Classic Suite because that's been being built for, I don't know, 50-something, 70-something years at this point. Um, so feel free to use that. There's really no caveat. You don't need to be careful with that. The only thing that you can't use but doesn't matter is sentence correction. So that's tip four. Tip five, how do I get better at data interpretation? This is something that I've been asked about a lot, and it, it can be difficult. Um, if you're taking a class, then definitely invest time in what your instructor or your, your guide recommends for integrated reasoning and data sufficiency. And then I strongly recommend getting a copy of the Official Guide 2023. And then you can also get a supplemental book called the Official Guide 2023, Official Guide for GMAT Review 2023 Data Insights. I think it's what it's called, a bit of a mouthful. Uh, but those two resources have some great online question set builders that you can use to practice your timing, simulates the real exam quite nicely. But the questions are somewhat limited in number. So you want to make sure you've got your basics of integrated reasoning and data sufficiency really locked in first, and then you can hit some volume practice with those. And that's why I was going hard on the IR and data sufficiency stuff earlier in the episode, just to try to set you up for success as you continue your studies. Six point, I mentioned this already, uh, but the algorithm is basically the same. So don't be buying into the hype that there's some crazy new difference in the GMAT scoring algorithm. If someone's telling you that, they're probably just trying to sell you something that you don't need. Not that investing money in this process is bad. There's amazing prep providers out there who can really change the game for you, especially if you're stuck or you're the type of person who wants support there. There's a lot of noise, like I said before, but there are just some incredible humans in the GMAT industry who can really help you out. So do not be afraid to invest. This is gonna be one of the highest leverage investments that any of you can and will ever make like the appreciation on your education is is kind of nuts if you sit down and, and do the actual numbers um so just find a way to pace yourself through the section again watch the webinar on the website if you're not sure how to do that if you have a trusted provider and they've got you a good timing strategy then continue to use that it's all good don't stress yourself out thinking that the algorithm is somehow different or harder or any of that noise that has been going around the internet okay Last tip, and I want to end with this because this is really important. The data insights section, which includes IR and data sufficiency, is adaptive. It is adaptive. There is a typo in the official guide 2023 that says it is not adaptive, but it is. So that makes the algorithm understanding thing even more important. That's why I spent so much time on the video like I talked to you about. But the old integrated reasoning section on GMAT Classic was not adaptive. It was just based on accuracy, but now the new section is. And what that means is if you get a question right, the next question is going to be harder. If you get a question wrong, the next question is going to be easier. And the exam takes those difficulty levels into account when it calculates your score. This is something that I spent months and months and months being super, super confused about. And I don't want you to go through that, which is why I've brought up the video on our website a ton of times. So I super, super apologize if that's annoying. Again, it's just me trying to help you. And I wish someone had hammered me uh, over the head with that when I was first studying, because again, it, it would have it would have saved me just an insane amount of time and and pain. Frankly, I was just suffering so brutally watching my score go down over and over and over again. I don't want that to be you. That's it, everybody. I tried to make this as complete as possible while still making it efficient and punchy for you. If you have any other questions about your specific situation or GMAT focus, we are still after all these years. 
keeping up with DMs. So hit us up on current social channels. Like I said, we're not pitching you in the DM. I know that's like a common sales strategy these days on the internet, and it's super creepy and weird. That is not us. We are there to help you. If you say, hey, can I work with you more, then we will give you information. But that is the extent of that. We will actually help you if you reach out to us. Imagine that. Um, we are also expanding our reach online. So check your favorite social channel for the GMAT strategy. And I have been videoing some of these podcast episodes. And so you might be watching this on video on YouTube right now. And I've just noticed that certain people prefer to, to watch and listen at the same time. And so we're going to be rolling these out on YouTube unless they're terrible. And all of you comment on our YouTube videos and say, wow, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Please stop making videos, Isaac and the TGS team, in which case we will consider that. We will consider stopping doing it. But in the meantime, it's just another way for you to get value and for us to support you becoming an incredible business leader, changing the world, and having a positive impact, whether that's just for yourself, becoming a happier human, uh, for your family, becoming a better provider and protector, or for those of you who are wanting to impact organizations, teams, and the world at scale. We're, we're here for you, this is a very beautiful thing that you're doing with your life. Thank you for being the kind of person who's willing to invest in becoming a higher value person for yourself and the people around you. It's something that's super important, arguably more important than it has ever been in the world today. So thank you, thank you, thank you for this. And we will do our absolute best to support, which is why we make so much of our stuff for free. So that's that. As always, my greatest hope is that this material will make your studies as easy and as painless as possible. If you want more tips and strategies for optimizing your performance on the GMAT, as always, head to our website, thegmatstrategy.com and check out our free video presentation on how to achieve your dream GMAT score in half the normal time and with half the normal effort. I know that might sound crazy, but the video fulfills that promise. I guess it is crazy. In the meantime, this is a weekly show, so please subscribe and stay positive and stay consistent with your studies. Talk to you soon.